Hello everybody, this is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports Broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news and stories. This week, Alan Wang sat down with Stephanie Ho, one of the execs for the UBC Badminton Club, to discuss the club as well as her own history with the sport. Elsewhere, there was some big news for a member of the UBC swim team, and I take to the soccer pitch for our Thunderbirds alum of the week. But first, here is Alan's interview with Stephanie Ho. Hello, everyone. My name is Alan Wang, and you're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9 FM. Jumping straight into things, I'm joined today with an executive member of the UBC Badminton Club, a former BC's U15 girls singles provincial champion, and a Team BC alum where she competed in Junior Nationals and Western National Championships. Stephanie Ho, welcome to the show and thank you for coming. Thank you for having me here. And uh, getting started here, just a basic question, just for us to get to know you a bit better. How did your badminton journey begin? And did you ever imagine yourself going so far with the sport? I actually started playing in like a community center with my parents just like for fun. I think it was something my parents picked up from other family friends as well. We definitely did not see me becoming competitive whatsoever. My parents just thought, oh yeah, why don't we just let her take some lessons, see how it goes. And eventually my coaches were just, you know, pushing me to compete. They were like, yeah, put some more time into it. She definitely has the potential. I had no clue. I had so much I could have accomplished. Even looking back at it now, I'm like super surprised and like pretty proud of myself for putting in all the effort. Yeah, I think with competitive sports, they always start off as just playing just for fun. And then you realize, oh, I have a lot of potential and I want to see how far I can really get with this. And then just continuing with some current events um, with the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, how is the badminton club currently operating as compared to before? And is the club looking to gain new members through an online approach? Yeah, so... As of right now, UBC Badminton Club isn't running any games or any drop-in sessions because we do want to follow the restrictions. However, we are doing online events. We had some game nights, some movie nights, just to get our club members together. Although this is not exactly playing badminton, we do want to maintain our community and we are hoping other people will join in as well eventually. Right, that's good. And as of today, badminton is not currently a varsity sport or a TSE, the Thunderbird Sport Club. Um, are you or any of the other execs looking to try and make the jump up to that status and make the badminton club a TSC? If yes, how are you uh, looking to make it happen? It's something we have considered before, but as of right now, we actually are really happy with the way we have our club because it's very open to people of all sorts of levels. I know that if it were to become a varsity sport, it would be probably not as large of a community. And we do really enjoy having players of all levels because we get a lot more variety in terms of who can play with who, just so there's no like any intimidation factor. If like, say I were to play with someone that just starting out, there's no like, oh, I have to be really nervous about joining the club. Yeah. Right, that's true. There should be no pressure for someone new joining. Yeah. And now a bit more about you. <laughs> Obviously, an athlete's coach and club play an important role in determining a player's skill. And you chose to train with the club ACE before moving to yeah. PBA. 
And so what made these clubs stand out to you as compared to other clubs such as Clear One? So for me, I actually wasn't paying as much attention to clubs. It was more of coach in general. So I trained with a coach named Ling Ling. She was very sweet. She treated me as her own daughter. And I know that's not something very many coaches do with anything. We spent a lot of time outside of court as well. Like sometimes we got food, we had hot pot. It was just a lot of like experiences that I don't think every coach is willing to give. It was really obvious that she wanted to put time into me regardless of whether it was me training or just off court in general. So it was, I decided to follow her to PBA because it was uh, eventually her club as well. Otherwise I probably would have just stayed at ACE. Stayed yeah. ACE. That's fair. And for a competitive badminton player, a lot of people don't realize the time and commitment that goes into the sport or any sport in that matter. And so while you were playing competitively, what did your training schedule look like? And how did you balance that with your academic slash social life? Yeah, so I started sometime in elementary where obviously school was probably not the biggest priority as still far away from post-secondary, but as I grew older, balancing out the training schedule and school started to become an issue. I know I had to train several hours per week. I, I can definitely think of something, but there were times where I would spend pretty much the entire day at the club, especially on weekends. Usually it's just right after school to the club, come back at night, next day repeat again. It was pretty difficult, but we were allowed to take breaks during the breaks. I would do my schoolwork, but eventually I did have to stop competing just to prioritize schoolwork. Right. And as of today, are you still playing? Are you still fitting badminton into your schedule uh, pretty regularly? As of COVID, not really. But if there wasn't any restrictions, I would definitely be playing. Although not competitively, I would be finding time to play with friends, you know, spend some just time kinda, at the club as well. Yeah, Just kind of casual. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and earlier I mentioned how you are the U15 girls singles provincial champion at one point. And leading up to that competition, was training any different? And in a general sense, uh, what sort of strategies did you implement that allowed you to achieve the title of provincial champion? So in terms of training, we have things like private lessons where it's a lot of coaches just feeding the birds to you, practice some shots, get some feeling. But usually before tournaments, my training would become a lot more sparring. So it would be playing against other players just to have some court feel, get an idea of what competition may or may not feel like. Because the difference between having a coach feed you shots and actually playing against someone is very different. Usually in terms of private lessons, it's very specific. We work on very specific things such as if you have a certain shot that you haven't been playing well. So once you have those private lessons, once you get that practice in, we start trying to implement it into actual competition where we would play against other players. Yeah, that's fair. And when you actually won Provincials, what was your reaction like? I was shocked to say the least because I think throughout my competitive years, there was always one player that was always above me. And that was the first time I beat her. I think even if you were to go to the Badminton BC or Badminton Canada website, my head to head is probably like three to 20 against her. That was the first time I beat her. I was That's with Annie Chow, correct? (laughs) Yeah. 
Annie is very strong. I was definitely not expecting it. My coaches weren't expecting it either. Obviously, with the whole idea of provincials, it is a large tournament. A lot of mental things going on on court definitely affects play as well. So going into that, my coaches were just like, yeah, do your best. Like, you really don't have pressure. No one was expecting it to, you know, turn out this way. But yeah. Right. Yeah, I know you and Annie go quite a ways back. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a very good feeling when you won that. So congratulations yeah. to that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And many don't get the opportunity to play at such a high level as you did. And in your opinion, how did competing at, say, like a national level, how did that differ from competitions at a local level? I think with nationals, the first time I went, I didn't realize how many people there were not only, you know, across the country, I started to think about, wow, there's so many people like internationally as well. Because when you go into nationals, you realize there's so many more rounds. British Columbia is relatively small in terms of badminton when you see provinces like Ontario, Quebec also has a very large amount of players. It was very shocking to see like all these people, there's so many strong people, even winning provincials, it's like, probably a really small thing. It's always good to remember to be humble because of how many players there are, how strong they are. You never really know until you run into them and you kind of have a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, that's very true. And did you think it was more stressful to play at a high level or was it like, was it more fun to you? Did like the adrenaline just, just build up once you uh, got to a competition at a higher level? I think when I first played nationals, I would, I started out very nervous because I know Ontario players are very strong. All the BC coaches talk about it as well. So with all this idea that, yeah, this is going to be very difficult for sure. But once you get on court, it kind of disappears because of the adrenaline rush, as you said. And it's actually super exciting because in BC, since we don't have that many people, you're constantly playing against the same people. Once it gets to like national levels, so many players you've never met before. You get to make a lot of friends as well, which is super exciting. Yeah, and is there anything that you would do differently if you're given the opportunity to go back in time to when you first started your badminton career? Yeah, so I know for a few months, I did actually take a break from the sport because of mental health. I know sometimes competition gets stressful, which is also why I'm not exactly competing right now. The whole idea of winning is always a priority was something that I didn't realize I didn't exactly like. I wish I actually took better care of myself during my competitive years as well. I know I suffered a few injuries, issues with Achilles tendon, patella tendon as well. And I decided to train through it, which to this day, I do feel some of the uh, side the effects of, yeah. Yeah, of the decisions I made early on. Yeah, it's always um, getting good at a sport is always important. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I feel like a person's body is should be the first priority. Yeah, for but sure. I'm, you know, I'm glad you're doing OK today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm yeah. glad too. And obviously you've been on the court quite a bit. Is there any, any stories that you have on there that are just really stand out to you? This is a bit of a general question, but are there anything, are there any general stories that you have from all your time on being on the court? I think 
as a kid, competing was just, it was kind of just like, I didn't think that much about it. As I grew older, once I actually stopped training, that's when I started to pay attention to how much I actually enjoyed the sport because I met a lot of members from the UBC badminton club before I actually got into UBC. And that's actually kind of what pushed me to go to UBC. I did have other offers from other universities, but this entire community that didn't actually compete before, I was actually super glad to find because I guess I just fit in a little bit better there because there's no competition, there's no stress from that kind of thing. We're always cheering each other on regardless of whether we're playing for fun or it's a tournament. And everyone is super friendly here, and I'm really glad I found the UBC Badminton Club. Yeah. And just wrapping things up with this final question, I understand, and you mentioned that you retired from competitive badminton, but I think it's still safe to say that you have a lot of experience under your belt. And so for all those young athletes who are out there looking to start in competitive badminton, um, based on your experiences, what advice would you give them? Definitely put in the effort. I know sometimes coaches, players, and parents don't exactly agree on the same training schedule, training type, but coaches do know best. Definitely listen to them. If your training is really tiring, push through it. I know it's super tiring when coaches are telling, yeah, just one more lab, you can do it. Just run one more time, you know, one more swing, one more shot. You can definitely do it. It's just in that moment, you don't exactly think about what the effects are later on. But now that I've quit competing, I've realized a lot of the things that my coaches have pushed me through actually stayed with me, not in, not even just physically. It also comes in mentally as well, because on court, I am very mentally strong. They say that I don't give up on shots because of the way my coaches have trained me previously. Yeah. Right. And so like a big takeaway from that is also to think of the long-term consequences rather yeah, than the short term. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's actually going to conclude this interview. So once again, thank you so much for your time today. And this has been Alan Wang from the CITR Sports Collective, joined with Stephanie Ho, an exec with the UBC Badminton Club. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day. We will now have a quick break for ads and PSAs before we get to the news roundup and the Thunderbirds alum of the week. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. Do you like laughing, hilarity, radical thought-provoking creativity, and laughing? UBC Improv is UBC's home for improvisational comedy, theater made up on the spot. Like us on Facebook to learn when our next shows are. Search for us on YouTube for our film sketches. And follow us on Twitter because we want the followers. UBC Improv. Insert cheesy slogan here. Let's get it on Cause you're gone Let's get it on
Welcome back. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Now here's Mike Liu with the News Roundup. Thanks once again, Jake. I'm happy to be back for a new year. We've got some Thunderbird stories to get caught up on this week, so stay tuned in. We begin with some sad news to share. Following a courageous battle with cancer, UBC alumna and Canadian Olympic rowing legend Kathleen Heddle passed away on January 11, 2021. She began her illustrious rowing career at UBC before going on to compete at multiple Pan Am Games, World Championships, and Olympic Games. Heddle, to this day, remains as UBC's most decorated Olympian, with four medals to her name, three of them gold. Her first Olympic gold medals came at Barcelona in 1992, where she stood on top of the podium in women's pairs as well as eights. Heddle achieved Olympic podium results two more times in Atlanta, where she won bronze in the quadruple skulls and gold in the double skulls. Achieved with longtime partner Marty McBean, the 1996 gold immortalized the pair as the first Canadian Canadians to win three Olympic gold medals. From her transition from UBC Junior Varsity Volleyball to Varsity Rowing, Heddle was always quick to credit the critical role the Thunderbird coaches had in developing the person and athlete she was. Along with McBean, Heddle was inducted into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame in 1997 and received the Order of British Columbia in the same year. Her achievements and legacy will continue to live on, inspiring the next generation of athletes at UBC. One of UBC's swimming stars will take to the pool this summer at the Olympics. Swimming Canada has announced that Marcus Thormeyer is one of the six athletes provisionally named to represent Canada and compete at the rescheduled Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Thormeyer had previously represented Canada at Rio 2016, where he was part of the 4x100 freestyle relay that finished 7th. This time, he'll be swimming in the 200m backstroke, the same event that he claimed at the FINO Champion Swim Series event in Shenzhen, China. Marcus also set a new U-Sports record in the 200 meters at the 2020 National Champions, helping UBC clinch their fourth consecutive title. This comes as yet another accolade for him, being named one of U-Sports' uh, top eight academic All-Canadians for the 2019-2020 season recently. Swimming Canada's Olympic trials are now scheduled for May 24th to 28th at the Toronto Pan Am Sports Centre, with a supplementary Olympic qualifying opportunity in June. The Tokyo 2020 Olympics are set to begin July 23rd, later in the summer. Well, that wraps up the Thunderbird News Roundup of the Week. We hope you tune in again soon for more on your UBC Thunderbirds. Thank you, Mike. Now I will take a look at one of UBC's most successful soccer players for our Thunderbirds alum of the week. Vancouver native Pat Onstad began his netminding career by playing five years in the newly formed Canadian Soccer League in the late 1980s, before enrolling at UBC in 1991 and serving as the Thunderbirds' star goalkeeper for four seasons, winning four conference and three national titles in his time at the school, an incredible run that included a 54-match unbeaten run. He was both a two-time All-Canadian on the field and a two-time academic All-Canadian off of it, and was the CIS Championship MVP in 1994. However, after graduating, a professional career did not immediately materialize. Onstad earned a degree in education in his time at UBC and briefly retired from soccer completely in 1995 at the age of just 27 to teach full-time in Vancouver at an elementary school. He got back into the game the following year for the Edmonton Drillers in the NPSL, which was an indoor league, before signing for Rochester in the now-defunct A-League. 
strong play there led to a stint for Dundee United in Scotland for a couple of years before a brief return to Rochester. Now 35, it seemed like his career could wind down at that point, but perhaps surprisingly, Onstad's best years were still ahead of him, as after signing with MLS side San Jose in 2003, he broke out in a big way, winning both the MLS Cup and the Goalkeeper of the Year award in his first year in the league. He won Goalkeeper of the Year again in 2005, and after the franchise relocated to Houston, he won two more MLS Cups in 2006 and 2007 before retiring in 2010 at the age of 42. Internationally, Onstad earned his first cap for Canada all the way back in 1988 and retired in 2010 having made 57 starts for the national team, the national record for a goalkeeper. His 22-year international career is also the longest of any Canadian. Since retiring, Onstad has stayed in MLS in various roles, serving as chief scout for Toronto FC, assistant coach for DC United and the Columbus Crew, and since 2019, he has been the technical director and vice president of soccer operations for Columbus. He was inducted in the UBC Sports Hall of Fame in 2012, the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame in 2015, and the Canada West Hall of Fame in 2020. And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to this show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. Thank you again to Stephanie Ho for coming on the show. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake McGrail, Alan Wang, and Mike Liu. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day.